Can you picture that? The first phase is framing the building with revelation. So when people come into this ministry, they hear a lot of revelation, and when they hear it and assimilate it into their spirit and begin to meditate on it, they're beginning to frame the house for God, the habitation for God. Revelation frames the world we were created to dwell in, his world. We are created to dwell in his world, not the world that we're in. So once the beginning, once the building is framed, he will eventually come visit you in visitation. So everybody's wanting to know when they're going to get a visitation from God, when they're going to see an angel from God, when Jesus is going to show up in their bedroom. <laughs> Amen. He will not visit until the building is framed. So you can hear revelation and not apply it. And that's not doing you a bit of good. So if you hear revelation, what are you supposed to do with it? Meditate on it. How many times? Three times. See, most people never get past the first phase because they won't die. I love it. God's given us so much instruction in this ministry because we want to get it right. We want to go from glory to glory. We want to grow up in him. We want to be flooded with him. And when he told me that he wanted a, a, a death, burial, rest, and resurrection season every year, now I know why. Because of revelation. Revelation is like a, is like a gun. Die. It's telling you to die. Because that revelation has to be replaced by what you have buried. Does that make sense? No? Whatever you bury, revelation replaces. Because Jesus said to Peter, he said, you say you're going to die with me. Remember Peter said he would die with him. But I tell you, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. <laughs> I've seen it in this ministry. And the, going through the process, they just, they deny Jesus. They keep denying Jesus because every time you get a hold of fear, you're denying him. Every time you worry, you're denying him. Every time you feel rejected and receive that rejection, you're denying him. Every time you feel unforgiveness, even though it's not yours, but you lay hold of its thinking, then you just deny Jesus. And the same thing with shame. In the church age or the age church, they, they, we, we, we say that if I'm not a witness for Jesus, then I've denied Jesus. And the Father denies me. But no, it's everything that's not like him that we do, we say we deny you. Fear, perversion, anger, all these things are denying him. So the point is, we emotionally assess our relationship with him by remaining in the soul realm rather than ascending to the spirit realm. God's trying to get you out of the soulish realm. 
Sons of God are not soulish people. Sons of God are living out of the third heaven. They live by what they hear and see. Out of the third heaven. They're living by what God is showing them and by what God is saying to them. That's how they walk. That's how they live. So the bottom line is, Peter did not have a revelation that developed enough depth in him. Are you going to deny Jesus? And what develops the depth of revelation is meditation. I told my daughter Brooke one time, I said, God, if God gives you a scripture, and you know he gave it to you, just shut the Bible and meditate on that scripture until you become it. Because if you're reading everything else, you're wasting time. God gave you one word because he knew you couldn't take two words. <laughs> Amen. It's true. But he gives us a revelation and we go so, get so excited that we want to read more. And that's the wrong thing to do. I told her, shut that Bible. Meditate on that scripture until you become it. Then you preach. It's amazing how we can read the Bible and then preach. No minister should preach from knowledge. No minister should pe preach from, from, from memorization. You only preach from revelation. So when Peter was tested, he was not able to carry out what he had vocalized. How many times y'all did that? Man, I used to do it all the time. That's why I said I can never get this thing right. I didn't know you were. They didn't tell us in the church you're supposed to meditate on the word. They just make sure you read your Bible. Nowhere in the Bible it says to read it except Revelation. Nowhere it says to study it. That's a, that's a big difference. You can't read it like a story. So his love was no more than his emotion. That was Peter. His love for Jesus was no more than his emotion. And that's where most of us as church people are. That's as far as we get. So the difference between a temporal experience and a life-changing experience is what? The presence of God. The presence of God. When he becomes your whole environment, when he becomes your whole environment, you will never go back to a caterpillar. That caterpillar went through a process. But when it became a butterfly, it never went back to the caterpillar. Amen. And it's impossible. So when you are changed, when you are changed by his presence, it's impossible for you to go back. The devil can't even anoint you to go back. He'll try, but he can't do it. Because he has an anointing. You know, the devil's anointed. What's he anointed for? Yes, that's it. Kill, steal, and destroy. So Jesus had to be able to speak 
and lean so much onto you that he goes into you and through you into the atmosphere. That's the goal. When the Father reveals his Son, that's called revelation. So he can lean on you. You know that revelation, man? When you get that revelation, it leans on you. You can't get it off your mind. Amen? It's Jesus leaning on you. He said, hey, let me in. Let me in. Then let me go through you into the atmosphere. Isn't that beautiful? This is what I call, that's what I call walking with God. That's what I call walking with God. That's why those doggone spots, man, they block revelation. Because they exalt themselves against what? The knowledge of God. And the knowledge of God is who? It's Jesus. That's why when the spots get out of the people, man, Jesus comes in the temple. We think Jesus is already in the temple. People say, oh, I got Jesus. Man, you don't act like you got Jesus. <laughs> no, you got the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is still up on the throne waiting for you to accept him. The second phase of acceptance is revelation. The first phase of acceptance is salvation. So our flesh and our mind must be a servant to the inner man. Think about that. When my flesh wants to do something, I consult this. I yield on the inside. And I'll guarantee you the inside's going to say something different than what my flesh is saying. I'll guarantee you. So our flesh and our mind have not been redeemed. Because, listen, if, if your mind and your soul and your flesh was redeemed, we wouldn't be acting like we're acting. You wouldn't have a worry in the world. Nobody can get you upset. Amen. Are you ready for that? That nobody can upset you? The mind needs to be renewed and flesh needs to be subjected to discipline. The mind needs to be renewed and flesh subjected to discipline. 1 Corinthians 9.27 But like a boxer, I buffet my body, handle it roughly, discipline it by hardship, and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and the things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not to stand the test, unapproved, and rejected as a counterfeit. Message. There's too many counterfeits preaching the word of God because they never buffeted the flesh. They never disciplined the flesh. But you got to be like a boxer, man. You got to get that flesh away from you. But it, is, it has an assignment on it. And that's to stop the revelation. It's going to stop the revelation. <clears throat> 
So Revelation frames a dwelling place for him to dwell. Are you guys meditating on your revelation? Come on, talk to me. Are you meditating on the revelation that God's giving you? You are? Okay. Revelation is a part of the process of building a secret place for God. A place where God shares his secrets with you. It says the spirit of truth frames the house. The truth of the spirit furnishes it. So you remember when Jesus said when a demon comes out of somebody, the house is clean and swept and put in order. Who did that? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did it. But if you don't bring the, the truth of the Spirit, which is the revelation, and furnish the house with that, you're going to be seven times worse. Because the only reason God put you in a position to be delivered from a demon is because he's already given you a revelation before you got to that place. He's already given you what to furnish the house with before you get delivered. And God moves in with his person and with his presence. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 22 through 31. It says, in him, and in fellowship with one another, you yourselves are also being built up into the structure. With the rest to form a fixed abode, a dwelling place of God, by, through, the Spirit. The first thing you're going to be challenged with when you come into this place is fellowship with someone you don't like. Someone you're jealous of, someone you're envious of. You're going to be challenged. Who remembers the difference? Who remembers the difference between relationship and fellowship? Well, who remembers what fellowship means? It means partnering. Who said that? The boys back there. They probably get it off my notes back there. They really. <laughs> I'm getting excited inside because they're getting this thing, you know. They're back there following me on my notes. <laughs> At least they know what to look for. <laughs> I want to have fellowship with Pastor Mike. That means I'm going to partner with him for the kingdom. I want to partner with him. So our goal should be to fulfill what Jesus said in John 14, 23. Let's look at this. And Jesus answered, if a person really loves me, he will keep my word, obeying my teaching, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home special dwelling place with him. Now, we need to just meditate on that one. We think God is in us. We think Jesus is in us. And if you look at the next verse or two, it says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the third person of the Trinity so that he can help you renovate this house 
get the furniture in it, and then my Father and I will come take up residency in you. Now you're flooded with God. Now if you're flooded with God, you wouldn't be acting like we're acting, right? So that's a pretty good gauge that I don't have it right yet. Amen. When we have attitudes, that's a pretty good gauge that I, hey, I ain't there yet. Because it's amazing how God can put us in certain situations that will bring up an attitude. <laughs> Just brings it right. The dross is coming to the surface. But the pure, but the pure gold is right, is right there. <laughs> so in John 14, 23, if you do a word study in this, it suggests that they are coming and bringing, this is what the word study says. It suggests that they are coming and bringing their furniture with them to move in permanently. That's what it says. Permanent residence of the Trinity is our goal. That's our goal. That's our goal. God will pay your bills because he's in your home. This is a word study. It says in there, he will pay your bills. That's why I told the apostles, don't take no money wherever you go. In fact, don't take your wallet. Don't take your food. Don't take nothing. Because I'm going to pay your bills. I'm going to take care of you super abundantly, far above what's in your wallet. So you might as well just leave it right there. Amen. It's true. Transformation is allowing him to occupy your heart. We're talking about this heart, the cardia. Your spirit, your spirit-led walk will always direct you to advancement. The Holy Spirit will bring, to, bring you to a point where you cannot go any further. Did I already say this? And he must want me to say it again because it's twice on my notes. On your own and that you have to die. Then it becomes supernatural. That's how you lay hold of the supernatural. Is when you die and bury the thing that's in the way. How do you die from something? How do you die from something? You know you got to die from something. How do you die from it? What's that? You die. You die by not receiving the thoughts. You die to those thoughts. The supply of the demonic is in the thought. Keep that in mind. Man, if I'd have learned this stuff when I was in the, in, in the church of God system, I would have been a lot further along. The enemy's supply, his power, is in the thought. And once you start thinking on it, you have engaged in the power of the devil. So you can picture just hooking up a water hose. You've engaged. Then when you say it, the water just turned on. And now you are watering his kingdom. You water and feed the devil with your thoughts and your words. Period. That's how you do it. 
So that's phase one, revelation. I'm only going to give you two phases uh, because the habitation I want to spend more time on. Probably next Thursday. I don't know. I got pastor's conference next Thursday, uh, next Friday. Phase two is visitation. So you understand what revelation is and the purpose of revelation is to get the house ready, get the furniture in there. Now you're ready for visitation. And you can tell where you are when I talk about visitation now. If you've experienced this, then you already have a level of the house already renovated. You already have some truth furniture in there. And Jesus and Daddy are in there at a measure. Ready for guests. So the days of heaven on earth, days of heaven on earth is visitation. This is when he comes and manifests in a special way and spends time but doesn't stay. Just like a friend visiting. That's a visitation. He comes to my war room and visits. When I come out of the war room, he's gone. So it tells me where I'm at. I need the habitation. I need the habitation. In a relationship, you have times together and times apart. In a relationship, you have times together and times apart. God plans sometimes. God's plans sometimes involves paying a visit. He's going to pay you a visit. Once you get some revelation, he's going to pay you a visit. Look at Genesis 50.24. And Joseph said to his brethren, I'm going to die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you. So when he comes to visit, he's bringing you out of something into the promise. And the promise is the blessings of Abraham. So if you had a visitation from Jesus or angels, okay, visitation is promotion into the new thing. Because listen, he will never habitate with you till you have been promoted into the new thing. Visitation is signs, wonders, and miracles. When Jesus comes himself to be in our midst. And we experience that here all the time. There's always visitations here. I see angels all the time in our midst in here. So that tells me that revelation is occupying in the house, in the atmosphere, in the people. It says, during times of visitation, intimate conversations can occur. Genesis 18, 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham, my friend, and my servant? What am I going to do? You want him to call you a friend. When he gave me these visions, he said, you're my friend. I can trust you with these visions. So angel visitation. Angels are included in the visitation stage. They come and stand beside people to energize them. You ever felt an angel beside you? And you'll feel energized. Angels can cause people to move into the things of God. 
Exodus 23.20. Let's look at that. Exodus 23.20. Behold, I send an angel before you to keep you and guard you in the way and to bring you into the place I have prepared for you. So visitation is a sign that he's bringing you into a new place for habitation. For habitation. Angels are bright and fast in carrying out God's intentions. They're full of light. Angels aren't dark. They're full of light. I've seen dark angels. And they, they weren't sent to God to help me out. Angels are also sent to protect. I tell this testimony all the time. You know, it's in, in Hebrews, can you put Hebrews, I didn't put that on, Hebrews first chapter, I think it's second or third verse, where it talks about the angels. This is important to grasp this, because if you are born again, you have angels around you. They just haven't manifested, they haven't visited Chapter 1, second or third chapter, it says, I mean, second or third verse, chapter 1, that you inherit angels for salvation. So I'm going to give you a testimony. Remember I told you I, I prayed with an old black lady. She was 80-something years old, and I prayed with her for two years. Every Tuesday and Thursday night for four to six hours each night. God spoke to me. And he said, I want you to pray with Sister Murray until I release you. So I prayed. I went over there. I was single. I went over there at 6 o'clock and left about 10. And we'd pull up our chairs together and our knees would lock right here because we would hold hands because we'd be praying so long. And as soon as we locked hands, the fire fell. And you wouldn't know you'd been praying for four hours. When he finally released me, it was two years we did that. We did not miss a week. And now I know why. It was for this. I thought it was for a wife. <laughs> She'd be praying out destiny and praying out this. And I said, no, Mr. But let's pray out for a wife. <laughs> that was my flesh. And I, in my pastor's conference, I'm going to be teaching on prophecy from the second heaven and prophecy from the third heaven. I was prophesying from the second heaven wanting to get my flesh satisfied. Because I want you to know the difference because there's a lot of prophecy coming forth. And you got to know the difference if they're prophesying from the second heaven or the third heaven. So anyway, it was one of the nights that I, I got finished praying and if you go to Whitmarsh Island, you see uh, Walmart there and all those places, but there's a curve right before it, like a, a curve right before you get to the shopping centers. And I was going about 60 miles an hour. And I saw a car parked alongside the road. No lights, no nothing on it. I just saw it and figured it was abandoned. I ran out of gas. But the car was parked like this is the, the, the white line. The, the wheel was parked about a foot onto the road, the side of the car. Right when I got to that car, 
the door swung open and a 22-year-old black lady with a baby was looking at my headlights. And I hit the door, everything. I hit them. Man, I turned white. I turned, I lost all color. I didn't know what to do. I have the picture of that car where it ripped the door off. I saw her teeth when she went like that. The headlights were right there. I had no time to hit the brakes. So I went to the red light, turned back around. When I came back around, she was out of the car, and she was sitting on the trunk with the baby in her hand. I said, my God. I said, and she wasn't upset. I said, I know I hit you. What happened? She said, when I got out of the car and your headlights were right there within 10 feet, my headlights at 60 miles an hour, she felt a force push her back into the car. God will protect your destiny. And I said, nobody's going to believe this. So I got my camera. I took a picture of the car. And she came to my office the next day and thanked me. I said, thank me? I said, we need to be thanking God. Because you'd be dead and I'd be in jail right now. I would be in jail. You see what the devil was trying to do? Angels are around us to protect. To protect. I was coming from Tabby one time and the presence of God flooded the car. This was about eight years ago. And all of a sudden, I felt people in the car. And I looked to my right in the passenger seat. There was an angel. I looked in the back seat. There was two. Now, these angels didn't have wings. They weren't dressed in white. They were dressed in military outfits. Even though they knew I was looking at them, they would not look at me. They were so fixed ahead. I said, Lord, what are these angels here for? He said, they're to protect your destiny. They're on assignment to protect you. So they had no need to look at me. Right? They, they were obeying the assignment. He said, you're going to get to your destiny. That's supernatural intervention. So angels are secret agents who watch over you, and you make the most high your dwelling place. When you make the most high your dwelling place, there are angels that are going to watch over you. They are assigned special missions on your behalf. So that Hebrews are not, are not the angels, all ministering spirits, servants, sent out in service of God for the assistance of those who are going to inherit salvation. See, the church thinks it's inherited salvation. The church is just saved. The church has been rescued from the devil's dominion and then conveyed over and dropped into the kingdom of God. Now we have to enter the kingdom through many tribulations. And those angels are sent to help us, to assist us. We got so much, so much heavenly assistance 
when we are in our trial, if you could picture this, you'd never look at your circumstance. You'd never look at the person. You'd never look at your circumstance. So during times of visitation, intimate conversations can occur. Is that, did I say that one too? Am I, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. Angel visitation. Oh, let's see. Yeah, I said that. So God has his way and gets us to a place where we're consecrated. This should be on the screen. Where we're consecrated because of revelation. Revelation consecrates you. Revelation separates you from the things that's attached to you. Revelation, God has a way and gets us to a place where we're consecrated because of revelation. Then there is a process. It should be on the screen. Maybe she didn't get that far. She didn't. Uh, Sharice did the best she could to get this on the screen. Then there is a process of stronger visitation, more influential, and taking us to the end result, which is habitation. I'll say it again. God has his way and gets us to a place where we're consecrated because of revelation. Then there is a process of stronger visitation, more influential, and taking us to the end result, which is what? Habitation. Habitation. So we are processed for revelation. Then we're processed for visitation. Then we're processed for habitation. So don't avoid the process. The last one is we are processed for habitation. Revelation, visitation, habitation. So you got to judge yourself. What am I being processed for right now? Am I being processed because of the revelation I've heard? Right? Or am I being processed because of a visitation that's about to happen? God will never visit until the process is over. Because if he did, we'd die. Then there's a process for habitation. So we can't avoid the process. I don't care how many run, times you run out that door. You're going to come back. You're going to be back. It might be 10 years. It might be five years. It just takes longer for some people to die. Amen. So he shows us more to gain access to a place in your heart that he pulls on you. That revelation, man, when it gets in you, it's going to pull on you. That's why people come in the building here and they can't leave because there's a pool because the atmosphere is full of revelation so that you can crave him. You've got to crave him. There's no cravings unless there's revelation. That's why the people aren't hungry for God in the age church because there's no revelation. They're not hungry for God. So you can crave the things of God and you start to assess your life and your condition and you think, 
I want to sell everything and buy the property where the treasure is. I want to buy the pearl of great price. I'm telling you, when you, when you experience a measure of habitation, you're going to have that mindset. Man, I don't need this. I don't need anything. I'll sell everything. God could tell me to sell everything tomorrow, and I'd do it just like that. Just like that. But he needs it for you. Amen? He needs this building for you. I don't need this building. He needs it for you. He needs a place for his remnant to come. And thank God nobody can take the building. Isn't that awesome? No bank can say, come in here and say, it's time to close the door. I love it. Nobody can take the building. Nobody can fire me except him. I better include you in this. Visitation does it. So revelation is the first step. It frames your house for God's habitation. He visits first to check on the process. You know how in Revelation, when you get start getting Revelation, he'll visit you every once in a while. How do you know he's visiting you? He visits to check on things. There's a test. Remember, he, he said he visits first to check on the process before visitation, before habitation. Didn't Israel miss the time of their visitation? They did. There's a test. There's a test. What is the test? Love. What's the second test? He said in the scripture, don't, don't deny my word. Don't let go of my word. So every test in, in the kingdom of God is love. That's what you're going to be tested on. You got to love your leaders that you don't like. Amen. You got to love your spouse. You got to love people. And God will test that thing. Man, he'll get somebody to say something to you and just, man, stuff will stir up in you and say, my God, I got to love this person right now. Amen. When you love the person, you're telling God you love him. Isn't that right? So he, he, he first checks on, the, he visits for the process, and then there's a time he moves in. Isn't that beautiful? There's a time he moves in. So visitation requires change. If you're not willing to change your ways, you'll never have God's visitations. He'll come visit, but that's different from a visitation. When a friend comes to visit, he stays a while, right? At least you have conversation. When God visits, he don't say nothing. He's just seeing what's going on in this process, how you're going to respond right now because his, his presence just showed up. So our faces change with each visitation. Back to the original image of Adam with each visitation, angelic visitations, Jesus' visitations, God's presence transformed Moses' face, right? And when he descended from the mountain, the people feared him because his face glowed. 
Are people like that around you? Are they afraid to be around you? Huh? Or they just want to come argue? <laughs> because beams of light were coming out of his eyes. So we are at the place where God is visiting us right now. I've seen angels in here. I've seen Jesus in here. And I know a lot of other people have seen them in the place. And I don't know about your home. That tells you, you have got a measure of revelation. You've got a measure of furniture in the house. You've furnished one room. Remember, there's four rooms. Intellect, will, emotions, and affections. And each room takes different furniture. <laughs> you can't try to use the same revelation and put it in the other room now. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. So we are at the place where God is visiting us, but he requires us to change and yield so, so we increase our influence and our effectiveness with people. When God changes you, the change translates into relationship. That's how you know you've truly changed because you have a relationship with people that you didn't have before. And you have a relationship with God. So some folks simply won't, will not be comfortable around you anymore. And I can get around some people. They're just so uncomfortable. Just as the Israelites asked Moses to veil his face. You experience people resisting God's glory in you. How many have experienced that already? They resist because they don't want change and you, it's probably going to start with your family it started it started with my family i think it starts right there in the family i see my family on an easter christmas you know because they're uncomfortable meeting with god god had moses build a tent of the meeting where people could enter into the presence of god Kingdom life is a tent of the meeting where people can enter into the presence of God. Moses was apostolic. Moses was apostolic. It takes the apostolic to bring the presence. During the transition from revelation to visitation, people may resist you or run from you, may resist you and run from God's presence. Why? Because the glory of God puts demand on change. It puts demand on change. God's glory permeates your sphere of influence. After that, the, the glory of God permeates the sphere of influence in your home, in your workplace, in your marketplace. I was telling this, and this has happened several times in different places, but uh, it shows me that God is calling us to the nations. Because I, I dropped off some, two shirts to get them altered. And I've been in this place twice just to pick up something. But this, the second time I went, I was writing out the check and turned around and was walking out the door. And this little, I can't tell the difference between Japanese and Chinese. What is the difference? Their eyes? 
then it must have been Japanese. But she said, sir, she said, sir, could you turn around and come hug me? And she wept. Little sweet little old lady, she, oh, I'm saying old. 50 years old, 44, 5 years, I'm saying that's old and I'm older than that. It's a good cover. So I just embraced her. What did that? It was the glory. It was the presence of the Father. The glory of God is the presence of the Father. And all she wanted was an embrace from him. God's glory permeates the atmosphere. Your workplace, your marketplace, your home place, People start catching on fire. Listen, people start catching on fire. Not knowing who lit the match. When God shows up, it's not normal. That wasn't normal for that lady to do that. Almost finished phase three is habitation. I'm not going to get into habitation. I want you to think about... I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how important revelation is and what you're supposed to do with it. And then how important visitation is and what the visitation means. Because if you don't understand it, God will never release you to the next. You have to have a measure of understanding of what's going on from revelation to, to visitation. The habitation. Remember the vision that we had up here? Had the seven people and the fire of God around them? That's the remnant in habitation. There was no darkness. So if God gave me a vision like that, it's possible to get there. And that's our goal. Is to have a remnant in here. To where they are, where God is has made a home in you. Or he's moved in the furniture. He's going to stay. And then when you take him out there, can you imagine the things that's going to change? And that's what I ask the Lord. How is the church going to change? There's so many churches. And he said there's many ministries like this being raised up. Yes. Yes. So when you go out and see certain churches, he's already assigned to us. When I go when we go to King Jesus, there's certain apostles and pastors that are so drawn to me. You know, they come and they, they just and they keep when are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming? And this is in India and this is in Africa and this is in Ukraine. So it tells you he's already connecting you to where you're supposed to go. But I got to have my team. We got to have the team. We got to carry that habitation. Because it's going to be a quick work. As soon as we show up, we saw a major of it just at the Hinesville. We showed up at 6.30 when we walked in the building. It just showed up. We was behind the curtain having communion. We could barely stand up. 
And there was no praise. There was no worship. It tells you our team already has a measure of habitation. Amen. Well, the Lord wants me to, to lay hands on you. So, evidently, he's going to do something. And um, so we're just going to play those couple of songs. Those, uh, put the, that last one on fire. And by the way, that those are a couple of new songs from the from Cap. Remember the new album? Yeah, I pre-ordered it. To, pre-ordered it today, but it was only three songs ready on it out of ten or fifteen songs. So man, that's going to be. I said, Lord, bring the rest of those songs for Glory Night. Because this glory night is going to increase. It's going to increase. Because more people are getting set free. And more people are getting the revelation in, inside. And more of the habitation is happening. Amen. So let's just push the chairs back. And, and come up here. And put those three songs on. The last one will be the one that, um, let me show you. Um, holy fire then that one then that one don't go down to here because it's a whole different you'll, you'll scare them out of their skin <laughs> 